Hey, this is Jeff Turner from the Orlando Magic, and you're listening to Penny for Your Thoughts, the Orlando Magic UK podcast. Now over to Jarrett, Mikey, and Paul. Kapaya! <laughs> What's up, Magic fans? Welcome to Orlando Magic UK's weekly podcast, Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, this is episode 93 with me, Gerrit. Uh, I'm joined by my Mackham mate, Mr. Gary Craggs. How are you, mate? Absolutely great. A little bit warm with our heat wave, but hence the uh, no sleeves, but all good. How are you? I was about to say, and we've, uh, we've managed to uh, dress uh, the same, haven't we? Although I think we've probably got different numbers on our jerseys, let's be honest. We have, we have. Good man. But yeah, no, um, yeah, it's very warm here at the moment in the UK, as I'm sure the UK uh, listeners know, and we're practically melted, aren't we? So, um, but some idiot went for a run earlier. We both did, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there we go and we're delighted to be joined uh this week by mr kevin tucker who uh i hear supports the greatest football team in london uh, oh you mean this one tottenham hotspur (laughs) the arsenal i came prepared i came to uh, to support my favorite club in in the uk but yeah delighted to be with you guys good man good man Oh, you, you got me there. I was going to try and uh, try and get you with the Tottenham stuff. I was but, ready. Uh, I was ready. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. So how, before we start, how did you become an Arsenal fan, uh, Kev? Oh, oh, good question. So in, in general, uh, and I'll, I'll call it football because I know the audience that we have here today, you know, but uh, I, I started getting into, into the football, you know, right before the 2010 World Cup. You know, it's not a huge, especially at the time, wasn't a huge sport in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, but right before you know, you know, the U.S. men's national team was gearing up for the World Cup with the friendlies and the qualifiers and all that, I started getting to the sport and started playing FIFA. You know, so that's how actually a lot of Americans get into the sport is playing FIFA. And so I didn't have a team at first, but I, I started watching you know, different you know club competitions and everything. And I don't know that I had it like a one moment that that you know for me made it Arsenal. But I always loved Arsene Wenger. Obviously, loved the the style you know of of play you know when he was around and and that we still try to reach again. But anyway. Long story short, I, I love the Arsenal. And when I say, like, I'm not a casual. Like, I, I love the Arsenal. I watch every match and have for probably almost 10 years now. And so, like, I, I, I'm not quite as diehard as you guys because I, I don't make the trek across the Atlantic every once in a while. But it's on my bucket list. I need to get to North London and, and go to the Emirates sometime. Absolutely, you do. You do. I, I've been lucky enough to go to the Emirates to watch Cardiff play in an FA Cup replay. <laughs> and I think we got trounced, like, 4-0 on it wet oh, Tuesday yeah. night so uh, it's a beautiful stadium so yeah you, you must do that um, but interestingly you just mentioned about the World Cup um, all of our nations are in the same group together so yes, uh, the are. US Wales and England uh, along with the, I believe Iran so I'm sure we'll have a bit of banter come um, November December time when those uh, matches are on so uh, would you it's it is just very backwards that that's happening in, in fall winter time. I think that's that's a mess. But yes, we'll have a lot of fun with that. Definitely, definitely. Right then. Um, I'll just do a little bit of housekeeping just to get that out of the way. Um, so just the affiliate plug. As the boys have said in recent weeks, if you do want to uh, assist us, if you could subscribe to the Orlando Magic UK YouTube channel, that would help us greatly. 
Um, in addition to this, if you could use our affiliate links for the NDA store EU, Fanatics UK, as well as our online store, magicfansapparel.tmail.com. Uh, all of the links will be uh, in the description of the podcast, and you can find them all at orlandomagicuk.com. Um, right, so I'll just run through a little bit of magic news since the last podcast. Um, so the first bit of the news was Moritz Wagner will be out of the German national team this summer due to an ankle injury suffered prior to Germany's friendly with Belgium on Tuesday. Uh, fingers crossed it's a precaution, especially seeing as the Magic haven't released a statement on this injury as yet. Um, his brother, Franz Wagner, helped Germany beat Belgium on Wednesday in Germany's first uh, friendly before Eurobasket, uh, notching 23 points in an 87-83 German victory, including a late triple, um, which almost sealed the deal. Um, and before I ask you, Gary, about what you made of France's performance, um, the German national team played their second friendly today, but France got re- was rested um, whilst the German team won 68-66 over the Netherlands. So any thoughts on uh, France's performance there, mate? Um, I think it's already been covered um, already, um, but essentially... I would like to see Franz have a leading role because he is Germany's best player. And I know that's already been discussed, I think, on the sixth man show. Um, but he's Franz being Franz, where he's going to do whatever he has to do to make his team better. And in this instance, okay, he's led the team in scoring. He's hit the big three, uh, three-pointer for the four-point lead with one minute 50 to go. And, you know, I think with Wagner, there's no ego there with him. He will just do what he's got to do to make Germany better. And if they're telling him he's the third option, he'll be the third option. If they tell him he's the first option and we get some point France playing, he'll be the first option. But really for me, um, as long as both Wagner's come back healthy and ready to start the season, um, that's all I really care about. Um, you know, I wish Germany well, but really I just want them back in Orlando and ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And the boys touch upon this on the six band show. You know, um, it's a friendly. Uh, they're probably not showing their their full hand, uh, not giving giving him the ball, and um, you know, letting the opposition see what he can, uh, what sets they want to run, etc. Anything to add to that, Kev? Yeah, I, I think um, you know today was probably the biggest indicator of just that. You know, the, the friendly against the Netherlands, him not even playing, not even on the bench. You know, it's just another reminder. These are just friendlies. You know, and we should just be really kind of looking forward to the actual competitive matches, you know, coming up here in a couple of weeks, which which I think will be a lot of fun. Um, interested to see, you You know, you mentioned Mo Wagner being out, you know, interested to see, you know, how what that injury looks like in the long term, obviously, hopefully not affecting us with training camp in September and the start of the season. But, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see see what Franz has. Just, you know, don't want him to get injured like his brother, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There. Um, so thank uh, I'm just going to get to the Bancaro um, <laughs> incident, shall we call it, over the weekend at the Seattle Pro AM, um, where he had a little altercation with Dejounte Murray of now the Atlanta Hawks. So I won't get into the whole thing uh, because I'm sure everybody's seen it all over social media. Um, but in short, Murray made a couple of nice plays, ball fake on Paolo, threw it up off the off the backboard, put it back. And then he started barking at Paolo, throwing the ball at him, just getting a bit overly aggressive in his face. Um, Paolo didn't seem to, to bat an eyelid or care, really. 
which was good to see. Uh, you know, people came there to see him, not Murray, let's be perfectly honest. Uh, I mean, there's been a bit of a spat going back and forth on social media, on Instagram, uh, Murray unfollowing Bancaro, this, that, and the other. Um, what's your take on the altercation, Kev? Well, I think I think it's pretty childish on behalf of uh, Mr. Murray there. You know, look, obviously we don't know what what really took place, you know, you know, from start to finish, you know, maybe Paolo started it, maybe Paolo said something, who knows. But all we know is what we saw from DeJounte Murray and he just he took it too far. He, in my opinion, he's acting like like a little kid out there and you're right, you know, no one's there to to see him play. I mean, sure it's nice, you know, he's he's another Seattle guy, you know, it's in their hometown, but you know, I, I thought it was super childish and um, especially not just him, you know, he was acting kind of a fool with a lot of other guys too, you know, kind of, like you said, throwing the ball off of other guys, but you're right. It was that pal that he was running his mouth the most. And all it does is kind of ignite a little more of a fire between the two of them and the, and the two teams, you know, Atlanta and Orlando, but, uh, definitely will make those matchups a little more interesting and, and we'll circle those dates on the calendar when, when the schedule's released for sure. Absolutely. We're looking forward to the schedule to be released. And, um, you know, we've got probably got a good chance of, uh, seeing maybe an Atlanta Orlando game seeing as we've got two home games with them. So uh, fingers crossed. Anything to add to that, Gar? I just think it's a case of a Seattle rivalry where he's probably seen this guy's now the most talked about basketball player in Seattle. He's 18 years old or such, 19 years old. I'll get I'll get in on him now whilst I can, when I can maybe get in his head and make an impression. I don't think it's worked. I thought he, like like Kevin said, he's embarrassed himself a lot more more with how he treated that other guy, where he was like bounced the ball off his like that. That's needless. But I put a tweet out, and it was semi joking and semi serious when I said it. But you know, maybe Dejounte should just take solace that there's there's no shame in being the second best number five in that game. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's no problem. Number two, silver medals still count, don't they? <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I like that, mate. Um, and the the last bit of it's my NBA news now. Uh, broken yesterday that the NBA announced Thursday that every team in the NBA will retire the number six jersey um, after the death of basketball legend Bill Russell this summer. Uh, players will also wear a patch on their jerseys next season, uh, and every arena will display a clover-shaped logo. Uh, with a number six in it. So it's a, a nice little tribute to him. Uh, happy with that, guys? Classy. Uh, all right. I'm going to separate myself from Orlando Magic UK here because this hot take. If, you got, if you're upset with what I'm about to say, you can come at me. Don't come at Orlando Magic UK or, or Gary or Garen, anybody, okay? So here's what I'm going to say. Bill Russell, absolute say legend, that. okay? This is no disrespect to him. 11 championships as a player, two as a coach a great ambassador for the league, for the sport, a mentor to so many young players throughout the years. The reason why I'm a little, uh, I don't love this is because two reasons. First, how many players come into the league? You know, they pick a number based on a certain player that they love, right? They love watching this player. They idolize that player. They want to be like that player from now till forever. No player is ever going to be able to do that for Bill Russell. You know, it's one of those things like what, what a great way to, carry on someone's legacy, memorialize them or, or however you want to remember them, but, you know, picking their shirt number, you know, it, it's one of those things that I, I think is a little bit disappointing, but then also it's like, it, it kind of sets a precedent, right. You know, of like, you know, Bill Russell has the most championships. Sure. And obviously a great ambassador, but a lot of people consider Michael Jordan to be the best player ever or LeBron James. So when those guys pass away, you know, do they retire their numbers forever? Or, 
you know, when Paolo wins his 12th championship, you know, one ups Bill Russell, do we retire number five? You know, uh, all joking, joking aside, obviously it's no disrespect to Bill Russell, but when I saw it, I was like, eh, you know, great gesture. You know, I don't know in the long term how to play out, but obviously, you know, um, rest in peace to Bill Russell, a great legend and ambassador, you know, for the game of basketball. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Right then. So let's get to the guest section where we get to know uh, Mr. Kevin Tucker a little bit more. So for those of you who don't know, you're living under a rock. Uh, Kevin is the producer on the Six Man Show, uh, mostly producing, but you do uh, appear. Um, if you subscribe and like me and watch every episode, you'll see that he's been on there. And I, I thoroughly enjoy your takes there, Kev. Um, so... Um, in Orlando, but tell us how often you get to go to games, any standout matches you've been to, and your fandom. Sure, yeah. So my my backstory, my fandom actually started. I used to used to live in Orlando. I grew up in Central Florida in Kissimmee, which if you visited Orlando, you're familiar with where that is. Um, but yeah, so I, I did grow up down there, lived there till I was 16 years old, and so that's still pretty much home in my heart and everything, you know. Um, but now I do live in Georgia, about four hours away. Um, I I go down usually once a month or so um, during the season, you know, to go to games. Then obviously during the off season, the last couple of years, you know, the draft lottery and, and the draft and everything, but hopefully that was our last lottery for a while. We'll see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that's how often I get to go down there, which is a lot of fun. Um, and then my magic fandom started, let's see, do I want to say this now? I, I'm going to hold off on my origin story with the magic because it involves one of the players in my top 10. So I'm going to save it for that. Okay. All right. But, okay. uh, but yeah, I, my family moved to Orlando when I was seven, you know, and so back in 1999 and got hooked on basketball and, you know, my dad was a big basketball fan and that was the team in town. And so I always grew up, you know, going to games with my dad and with my friends and everything. And, you know, once you get in that building and just experience it, at least for me, I was, I was hooked from the start. Um, but, but yeah, memorable, memorable matches, um, over the years, like I said, I've got personal ones, you know, with family and things that, uh, you know, that mean a lot to me, but then. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the 2009 run. I didn't get to go to the Eastern conference finals. Unfortunately, I, I did get to go to the semifinals against Boston. Got to see game six that year, which sent it to game seven back in Boston, which was a really fun game. Hito Turklu had a, a three, like in, with, you know, 40 seconds left or something like that to kind of put the game away and the place went crazy. That was a lot of fun. Um, the games of the last couple of years haven't been as fun that I've happened to go to. I don't have a great record the last couple of years, but <laughs> Excited, you know, for for maybe some more wins here in the future. But yeah, I'll, I'll I, I gave a little sneak peek, but my origin story I'll share more later when we get into the list. I promise. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, interesting, you said '99 there because a lot of players from the '99 team appear on my list too. Because yes. I started following the team in '97, um, and then of course we were pretty good '98, '99 uh, when we finished third in the East. Uh, right. So I've got a few players fr- from there. So. Uh, and Gary as well, I'm sure. Uh, I think we'll probably cross over quite a bit there. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, a player who's been in the news a bit um, in this now quiet off-season by Orlando Magic standards um, for the last couple of days anyways, Jonathan Isaac. So, he made a bit of a... Uh, storm on Twitter where I think he quoted Cortez's tweet where Cortez had just basically put a question out. Then GI put the emojis up and uh, it caught on. And to be fair, um, knowing a little bit of the backstory of that, and I won't spoil it for Cortez, it was all meant well on uh, both sides. But um, if Jonathan Isaac returns and he is, you know, healthy, how do you think the magic can manage GI next season? 
Yeah, that's that's maybe the biggest question of the year for everyone. Obviously, Powell is a big question, you know, just kind of seeing who he is as an NBA player. But but Jonathan Isaac is a huge question mark just because we don't know what he's going to be. Like you mentioned, you know, um, you know, back before his his latest injury, you know, he he looked fantastic in the bubble on both sides of the ball. You know, and I think you, you've heard maybe on the six man show and a lot of other people mention if we can even just get, you know, 70 or 80 percent of Jonathan Isaac at the start of the season, that's significant, right? And hopefully, obviously, ultimately working up to 100%. But uh, yeah, I think you're going to probably see what we've typically seen from the Magic, you know, when bringing guys back from injuries, a very slow and steady and methodical, you know, return, right? Even with you think about the most recent one with Markel last year, only playing 18 games and that really hard 20 minute restriction. I mean, they did not budge past that until the last couple of games. I think you're going to see something pretty similar to that uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, more than likely off the bench. I, it's hard for me to imagine him starting straight away. Um, but but we'll have to see, you know, how he how he develops and and you know returns back to his form and and hopefully, obviously for everyone's sake, he's back to the Jonathan Isaac that we know and, and maybe even even a little bit better. But that's a big question mark. You know, I'm definitely excited to see how that turns out. What what a problem that would be to have though for Coach Morgan. Absolutely. Just say, oh, by the way, here's a guy who possibly his defensive player of the year let's throw yep. him into the mix when you put him alongside you know Wendell Franz and Bancaro that's a huge rotation absolutely it's absolutely insane and when you think about from this rebuild when it started and GI was at the centerpiece of everything and now it's just he's a piece and it's right. not light on Jonathan Isaac it's just how much talent we've accumulated quick I think it's right that's a great point scary good it's a, it's quite exciting um and i would add up to that obviously we've we've mentioned about um magic news and such and we've had a lot of coverage with the the summer league the pro arm the the draft itself the the beef between uh Bancaro and murray do you think that's a little bit of a sneak preview of what it's going to be like for the magic with the media going forward with eyes on orlando this season yeah, I definitely think that's that's a possibility. I, I think, uh, you know, Jonathan, Luke and I have talked about this. I think there's a chance we get maybe one, maybe two, you know, national TV games, which in, in you know, the U.S. is kind of a big deal for us. You know, the ESPN and TNT matchups, you know, primetime, all, all eyes are on you. And so I think it's possible with Bankero. He was not just obviously being the number one pick, but he was, you know, by most accounts, the best player in college, too, which is, is a big deal here, you know, in, in the U.S. A lot of people watch college basketball, and especially Duke. And so, um, you know, seeing him rise in college and now be number one pick, I think it's definitely possible. And it's definitely takes a little bit of getting used to, right? Especially after the last few years, even the two playoff teams, you know, they, they were hardly ever on national TV, hardly ever spoken about, you know, on ESPN or TNT or any of those. And so it's definitely another good problem to have, kind of like what you mentioned earlier, you know, it's something to get used to, but um, you got to start somewhere. If we're going to be good eventually, you got to start somewhere. And maybe this is the year that people start talking about us. Yeah. It's interesting because I saw, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, NBA Top Shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're doing a, um, they've got this thing now where they're setting up leaderboards per team. Right. And there was one of the the guys, I think, who's a contributor to it. And they had the list of fandoms for each team. And we were like significantly last. Oh, no. That shot's accurate. We were, we were like the lowest. But then by the same token, I was kind of like, you know, you add Bancaro to this. If he puts media eyes on Orlando and we become a, like a league pass team for mm -hmm. people, how many kids are going to pick Top Shot up next year and be like, right. that guy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it could be something. 
so going back to your, to your fandom a little bit there, Kev, are you a merchandise guy? Jerseys? Do you have any, you know, collectibles from, you know, the finals runs or anything like that? Sure. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a big collectibles guy necessarily. You know, Jonathan from the six man show is, is that like, that's his thing. Like he has all, you know, a bunch of sign things and bobbleheads and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't have, I do have a lot of jerseys that I actually wear, you know, I don't, they're in another room. I, I should have brought them, but all kinds of jerseys going back, you know, back to early two thousands, really um, different shirts. Like this is a 25th anniversary, you know, 2014 shirt, random shirts like that, you know, uh, dozens and dozens. And, and uh, the big thing I collect is also hats. Like I have probably 30 magic hats. I mean, it's kind of sad. Wow. Um, you know, I don't wear them all. Like this is the only one I wear. I kind of go through in cycles, you know, um, but I have them all in a closet, um, on a shelf. Uh, but then, yeah, that's kind of all. I, I'm not a big, you know, collectible guy. Um, when it comes to, you know, mem- memorabilia and all that kind of stuff, but maybe someday, maybe, maybe when I'm a little older, I'll, I'll have a nice shelf that my kids can't tear down and, and do something <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you want us to bring any Arsenal stuff over in, uh, in October, mate, you just, uh, just tell us. I might have know, to we'll take you up on that. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Um, so any, um, tell us about the, the draft night and the build to what, when you hosted for the six man show, uh, we were all quite envious of, you know, you being at the Amway center, Having the the lead up parties where you did one night, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan another, and then Luke another, um, and then being able to meet Jalen Suggs. Tell us about that, mate. Wow, yeah, that was a really really fun week, um, and really it all kind of started the month earlier with the lottery party, which was and you know a whole another thing that was really really crazy and a lot of fun. And um, actually, now that I say that out loud, I remember I, I was the one that I got to edit the the reaction video of the lottery party and threw you guys on there, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, that was the, also the one where I edited Mikey to be in sync yeah. with you guys, you know, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so lottery party was great. That was a lot of fun, but it kind of started the momentum, right, of of what was to come over the next month or so. And and we had partnered with with the Magic for the lottery party, and they were like, "Hey, that went really well. Let's do it again." And so yeah, they they reached out to us about the the pre draft tour, like you mentioned, which was a lot of fun. You know, those three different nights. Uh, Jonathan had the first one. Luke had the second one, which RJ Hampton was there for that, which was pretty cool. Got to chat with him a little bit. Luke did. And then my night was Nick Anderson, you know, one of the most legendary magic fans of all our magic players of all time. Um, and so got to chat with him a little bit. Um, we're hoping he's going to be coming on the show here soon. Maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see a little sneak peek. Uh, we're working on that. Um, but anyway, so that was a lot of fun, but then you're right. The actual draft night, um, was, was really fun. We did our, our pre draft party at, at Harry Buffalo, which is where we've done a lot of our events recently. And that was a lot of fun. And then got to walk over to, to Amway center and experience it with everybody else. And, and one thing I'll note is, you know, we, we did the the draft the previous year at the Amway center and, you know, it was maybe, uh, maybe half full, you know, the year before when we had five and eight, um, but it was, it was a good atmosphere, but this year, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Like the, the most energetic draft, you know, watch party I've been a part of, and I've been to a dozen of them probably in that building. And even back in, in the old Orlando arena that we did, uh, like sold out just basically, they didn't have the upper bowl open, which they never do, but the lower bowl was completely full and there was an energy, a buzz. And especially, I think part of that was we didn't know exactly who we were going to pick at the time, you know, even up, up until a few minutes before there was all the back and forth. I don't need to remind you guys are listeners of it, you know, between Jabari and Paolo. But I think that also added to some of the suspense and the emotion in the room. You know, there was excitement for being number one, but no one really knew what was going to happen until, you know, 
a few minutes before when, of course, Woj spoils it for everybody, as he always does uh, with his yeah. tweets. But, you know, we saw it. But even then, some people were like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. And then obviously Paolo was the pick. And, and I was pleasantly surprised with the reaction in the room. A lot of people were, you know, really excited. Most of the place was really excited. There's one thing I will mention, though. That that wasn't caught on captured on camera, and we I don't even think we really talked about it on our show. Is to our left, there was a section of I want to say 30 or 40 people in all orange, like bright orange. And come to find out, it was the local Auburn University like fan group, which of course is where uh Jabari Smith Jr. went to school. And so they had all gathered because they thought that Jabari Smith Jr. was going to be coming to their hometown Orlando. I'm not kidding. It was this sea of just neon orange. And we looked and saw what was happening. And I just remember that was the one fan section. I looked over and they were just, just stunned and demoralized. They had gathered from who knows how far across the state of Florida, gotten their bright orange clothes. And anyway, that was, that was a little bit, you know, above bummer for them, but it was kind of funny for us. You know, we were all excited and it was just, they were having a, a pity party, but all in all, it was really fun. And then, yeah, you're talking about Jalen uh, going back actually to the, the, the previous draft, we had done a, a reaction video for that. And, and Jalen apparently saw it, you know, a couple nights later and retweeted it, you know, and told us that was awesome. Thank you guys. And, and actually DM'd us and was like, thanks guys. That was so cool. Excited to get to work. And so we, we went back and forth, you know, for several months and uh, try to get him on the show. And obviously once the season starts, it's, it's almost impossible to do that. But uh, he reached out to us that morning. I was like, Hey guys, I know you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Let's chat. So we chatted and then we're like, Hey, we got all our, our gear upstairs. We're doing a show right now. You want to come join us? He was like, yeah, let's go. So we went with that, you know, with him on the elevator all the way up, you know, up to the ozone level and, and got, got to sit down with him and talk for a while. He was great. He was, he was awesome. It was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's the night in a nutshell. It was, it was crazy. I know there's a lot of details I'm missing out. It was all kind of a blur, but it was, it was a lot of fun and, and a night I definitely won't forget. That was a super recap then, mate. That was good. We're not jealous at all, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was special. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, but it, it was cool. It was fun. Very cool. So Big question then. How do you see the um, the East shaping next year? Do you think we can make the playoffs or the play-in tournament? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've got just as good a shot as any other teams that are right on that on that bubble, right? Um, you know, you think about what we did last season: twenty-two wins. Obviously, not great. And if you look at it on paper, you just go, "Oh, terrible team." But those of us that watch the team know there's a lot more to that story, right? With obviously the injuries, the most injured team in the league once again. Um, and all, all the COVID issues that we had. And I know a lot of other teams had injuries and other teams had COVID, but all that to say the 22 wins doesn't tell the whole story to me. Um, you know, especially not having Markel, not having Jonathan. And now we add, you know, Paolo, that's a huge addition. All three of those guys playing a huge role this year, hopefully. But then also you think about guys that are going to be taking hopefully another step, you know, another year of progression for them. We have so many young guys, you know, Franz and, and Cole, I think are two guys that could, take another big leap this year. Wendell, obviously a huge part of our team going forward. And it's just so easy to forget that all those guys are 24 and under. And so naturally the progression of the NBA players to get better, you know, into the mid twenties, even late twenties sometimes. And so uh, naturally, you know, you'd kind of expect a, a jump in our record, but again, adding those guys, uh, I think we've got just as good of a chance as anybody. One of the things we talk about on our show a lot is, is defense. You know, this team has a, a very high potential defensively. And we know that good defensive teams make the playoffs. And so obviously offense is a big question. We hope that Paolo answers some of that. But if we can play defense, if we can be healthy, 
I don't see any reason why we couldn't at least be a play-in team. And I, I would love for us to be one of the home play-in teams. Can you imagine like a one-off game to get in the playoffs at Amway Center? I think it would be so much fun. So that's that's my you know my ultimate goal. I'd love to be able to, to go to that. That'd be fun. But I, I think we got a shot. What, what do you guys think? Gee, do you want to go first? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. We we talked about the uh, the over that the Vegas gave us was in 27 and a half wins, and um, l- looking at that, well, we what do you say 22 wins last year? Right. It was 15 games decided by six points or less. So just say you know you add Markel, Jonathan Isaac in, I can see you winning at least possibly nine, ten of those. So you're already at 31. Um, you get Markel for another 60 games um, across the season anyway. That's going to transfer to more wins. You mentioned Paolo. You've got the continuity as well. You've got players returning, right. uh, whereas you know this year was a little bit of a work in progress. It was their first season together, wasn't it, uh, for a lot of these guys. So um, And uh, Coach Mosley as well, been in the job a year. Uh, he's not a rookie coach anymore. So no, absolutely, I totally agree with you there. Um, and you just add into the mix a feel-good factor of the uh, new training facility, um, the number one pick, just everything's starting to click, like we mentioned uh, just before we started the pod. So no, definitely. Um, and, and I think there'll be a few teams dropping off, like the Hornets, you know, Bridges won't be playing. Uh, the Knicks are the Knicks. So, you know, <laughs> I think they'll drop off. Um, so no, absolutely, why not? Why not? Yeah. Um, heart V head. I think we might be a little bit short, but just a little bit. Um, I say that because it's who's going to be dropping off significantly for us to take those spots. So I think if Brooklyn blow it up and really go into a, you know, it's Ben Simmons and whatever they get back, then that that free, that frees up possibly a spot there. Um New York, as you've said, it could anything could happen with New York. Uh, I don't think Washington will be great. I think they'll be the team we're fighting with, and just by subtracting Bridges and possibly Harrell as well from Charlotte, I think they probably are going to be dropping off a little bit. So I think it could be between us and Detroit trying to squeak in. But I just I'll look at the, the the actual leap that it would be to get all the way there and it would be huge if we could pull it off. But even if we just, even if we fall short a little bit, yeah, I'll be disappointed at the time, but just to see that improvement, if we've got say 34, 35 wins with a young team who are only going to get better, you know, that the following season, it's going to be. And cap space. Yeah. Cap space. Like for me, I would love to see, I, I hate saying this, but I would love to see Chicago just have a really bad season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get in at their expense. You, you just want to play that uh, the, the guy that's dancing. He's oh, having fun. Have I given away in the group chat? Have I? Love that. Cool. You know, one one thing I'll I'll just add to that real real quick. You you know you mentioned a little bit. I I think you know ultimately if I could pick like a blueprint for the Magic, it's it's the the Magic teams back in the late two thousands that you know ultimately went to the finals. If you think about the progression that they went on. Uh, if I let me get my years right, let's see. 2006, 2007 was uh, the first year they made the playoffs after years away. You know, drafted Dwight in 2004, 2006, 2007. They just scraped in the eight seed. They played the Pistons and got swept. You know, the year before that, I think they won 36 games or something like that. So it was a progression. You know, bad team, 
36 wins, which might be exactly like you're talking about this year, Gary, you know, 36, you know, high 38 wins might not make it. Um, but it was an improvement. And then you look to next year, you get in the playoffs and maybe you come against a tough matchup and you, you're kind of, you know, put in your place. Then the year after that, the magic played the Raptors in the first round and beat the Raptors and then went to the second round and lost to the Pistons again. But then the year after that is when they went on the big run and, and all that. So that's what I want to see from this team progression. Obviously, if we can do it overnight, that's great. But I more expect to see something a little along the lines of a year by year progression as they grow older. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good analysis there. And um, one question we have been talking about in the last couple of weeks. Who do you start there, Kev? Yeah, that's the, that's the, the especially on the backcourt. Right. We've yeah, been that's... a little bit, yeah. Go on. Yeah, that's the question. Um off the top of my head, if I were to instantly tell you, it's I think the you know the front court's pretty self-explanatory. It's it's gonna be Wendell, Paolo, and Franz. I don't see anyone else starting there. I'd be shocked if anyone's anyone else starts out of that three. You're right. The backcourt is the question mark. If I were to answer right away, I think there's no way Markel can't start. Like based on what we've seen, I think he has to start. Um, I would be very shocked and disappointed, honestly, if he doesn't start. But the biggest question is the other guard. Some people say Cole. Some people say Jalen. Some people say Gary Harris. Um, I'm probably team Jalen Suggs right now with the the hope that he improves his shooting or has improved his shooting. Because we need someone to be on the perimeter to be able to knock down open threes. You know, we think Powell is going to be able to to do some work and maybe kick it out after a double team. Uh, Franz likes to get to the paint. Markel likes to get in the paint. And so we need someone that can stand on the outside and knock those down. I hope that can be Jalen. I think it can. If it's not him, though, it's probably going to be Gary Harris. I don't see a situation in which Cole and Markel start together. I could be wrong. It's hard for me to picture that. But I think Cole could be great off the bench. That's my five. Uh, uh, Markel, Jalen, Franz, Paolo, and Wendell. That's my five. Snap. Um, we we had it on it a couple of weeks ago, and the boys were four to one. They all had Cole in, and I had Jalen in. So I'm just glad really? of the support. To be honest, Kev, <laughs> been asking everybody everywhere. You've been walking around the streets, going, "Who, who would you?" Know. <laughs> it's me and you, Kev, against the world. <laughs> hey, let's let's do only a few more months, and we'll see who's right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, right, let, let's get to the Magic all-time favorite players list. A lot of podcasts have done, but the guys on the Six Man Show have done it, but they didn't ask Kev. So um, we wanted to ask Kev who his uh, top 10 was. Um, so if you want to hear Jonathan and uh, Luke's, uh, just go back to the Six Man Show. I believe it was the episode before last, last Sunday. So, um, so what we'll do is we'll go backwards 10 through 1, um, but before we start, any honorable mentions you want to you want to make that um, didn't quite make your cut? I'll go. We'll go with Kevin. Then we'll go. Yeah, and then I'll go last. So mm. Kev, take yeah, it away, I, mate. Sure, I have a couple honorable mentions. Some of them might be in your your guys on uh, your guys actual list. We'll see. Uh, JJ Redick, I, I love JJ Redick. He didn't quite make my ten. I see some smirking going on. We'll see if if he showed up in someone else's. My my favorite, you know, one of the reasons why I love JJ Redick, we talked about draft parties earlier. I was at the draft party in the arena when we drafted JJ Redick, and he was like the most hated player in college. Everyone couldn't stand him for whatever reason. And and I was a young, impressionable kid. And there were a lot of people that booed JJ Redick that night. And I joined joined in with him as a young, you know, idiot. And now I felt, you know, really bad now. But to go from me booing him to him being one of my favorite players, it's a great story. So JJ Redick's on there. Um couple other guys on my honorable mention. I loved Vince Carter. I know he only played for a couple seasons. 
I was a big Vince Carter, you know, fan before he came to Orlando. So to have him wear the blue and white was really cool for me. Uh, a couple more, just real quick. Uh, I love Keon Dueling. You know, really, you know, hustle player. Gave 100% all the time. And then I also love Bo Outlaw, who's still around the organization. Just a really fun guy. Played for the Magic on two separate occasions, two different stints with the team, and just a, a great ambassador for, for the team. So those are some of my honorable mentions. What about you guys? Um, I'll, I'll go with mine then. So I've got three who I think could be in a lot of people's top tens. So I didn't put Hedo in. And that surprised me when I was putting my list together because I always think in my old time Magic starting five, Hedo was always there. Um, I didn't have Rashad Lewis in there, who's another player who I really, I think those two really were like almost like the modern NBA before it arrived with Dwight and that he did great for us. Another player who I really liked early in my fandom was uh, Horace Grant. Yeah. Who didn't make it in and there's obviously the comparisons with uh, Wendell now. And then I've got two guys who are kind of just guys who are like dear to my heart who aren't obvious choices for the Magic. So I'm, I like Admiral Schofield. Um, yeah. I, he's, a, he's tough. He does a job. He's got his, he's British, all these things going for him. <laughs> and then I also like uh, Travis Dina. Um, just Gino's about it, but... He was one of those when I was on the real GM back in the day. I was kind of like leading Dina to get more minutes. And the guy, again, was a bit ahead of his time. I think if he was around now, he would have a, a roster spot yeah. as a off the bench and gun guy, you know. Um, if he was two inches taller, he would have probably had a couple of big contracts in the league. So they are my five who didn't make the cut. G was pretty surprised, I think, when I said, I'm not going to put Travis in. I was, I was. I thought Dina was a, a shoo-in for your top 10 because you said there's one guy in there and people are going to go at me. And I said, it's your list, mate. So, you know, you you have whoever you want. Yeah. Um, so mine, he, he doesn't make it. Shard doesn't make it. I hate myself for it. Daryl Armstrong doesn't make it. Um, I've got Horace Grant on my notable list and he was the reason I became a Magic fan because I bought the Magic jersey with Grant on it back in 1997. Uh, Pat Garrity, I love Pat. Pat Garrity was an absolute um, shooter. Um, I really wanted to have him in there, but I couldn't budge out some of the Matt Barnes. I know he was only there for a season, yeah. but I just loved his attitude, um, and it was something that we needed uh, with our team at the time. And he was the right kind of player um, at the time. So right, so we've said our notable. Um, notables that have not made it so Ked do you want to take it away number 10 mate all right here we go and number 10 this this goes back to my magic origin story okay so this is the story I've been saving so this will be my longest explanation I promise I'm not all going to be this long all right but this is my number 10 my number 10 is a guy by the name of Michael Doliak all right which is like who okay so Michael Doliak uh played on the team late 90s early 2000s I don't remember his exact years but he was here for a few seasons but he, so was, my he was drafted the same year as one of my players. That's right. Utah, wasn't he? Yeah. That's right. Yep. Okay. So my my magic origin story was my family moved to Central Florida in 1999 and went to my first magic game. And this was back, you know, pre, you know, September 11th. You know, there was no security, basically. You know, you just walk into the arena. There was all this kind of stuff. And back, you know, before, you know, that September 11th tragedy, which changed how we attend sporting events and all that kind of thing, they would have often have players 
that open the doors. Like once the doors open for the for the games, there would be players that open the doors and welcome you to the game. Like l- magic players standing there welcoming you into the building, which now would blow your mind. But so my very first magic game, I walk in the door and there's a couple cheerleaders and there's this this gigantic tall dude by the name of Michael Doliag. I didn't know who he was. Like I said, I was seven years old, but I'd never seen someone that tall. I'd never met a you know professional athlete before. And so for me, I, it was just the coolest thing ever. And so we didn't expect him. So like my dad grabbed a random piece of paper out of his pocket and I got his little autograph and carried that with me forever is this little green piece of paper with a rusted uh, staple on it. But it was like so important to me. Right. And then uh, so that happened. That was an amazing moment. Went to the game. And then a couple months later was my birthday. And like my parents emailed the magic, I guess, and reached out. Hey, can Michael Doliak wish, you know, my son a happy birthday? This was before social media, of course, but he like wrote an email back, you know, wishing me a happy birthday. And so, you know, Michael Doliak, not the biggest name in magic history, but for seven-year-old Kevin, it was a really big deal and genuinely was a huge part of me, you know, falling in love with the team and the organization and the experience and all that stuff. So I had to put him in there. He's number 10, but I had to put him in there. Michael Doliak is, is number 10 for me. I love that story. That, yeah. That's really good. Really good. Gap? I can't top that story, <laughs> but it was that was superb. And yeah, I remember Michael Dooley. My tenth one is when I said some people might come at me. This is one of the players um, from North Carolina. Uh, it's Cole Anthony in at number ten, and there's a lot of reasons. First of all, on my list, you'll notice a theme of some like undersized, big-hearted point guards um, with Cole. Also, consider when it was going on. So he was the guy we drafted when we were like really in the lockdown. So it was kind of seeing like his evolution, seeing his game winners when, you know, you're working from home and you can catch, you know, like an hour before the game and you can stay up a bit later. I love the way he plays the game, the heart he's got, the enthusiasm. When he was drafted by the Magic, he kind of broke down into tears. And I I do think, I, I do genuinely believe that Cole is the leader of the locker room. I've said, I think him and Wendell probably run that locker room in Orlando um, or have a massive influence. So for me, I love watching them play. Um, call Anthony number 10. Like it, like it. No, no, um, no issues there for me, mate. Cole yeah. is a quality player. I've had some arguments on Twitter though about Cole with people. I know you have, I know you have. <laughs> and you'll back him to the hills. When we oh yeah, well. Uh, Pitchforks. Pitch yeah. My number 10 is um, somewhat, some might think he's a little bit controversial given his uh, injuries with us, is a Grant Hill. Um, absolute classy uh, player, ambassador for the game. Um, and we were absolutely made up when uh, John Gabriel created uh, all that cap space back in 2000, 2001, I think it was. And we signed Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill. Uh, it's just such a shame, you know. He had all those issues with his ankle. Um, he just, it's just, yeah. We, we could have been one of the first super teams, couldn't we? Uh, had we had him, and then if you know, Doc Rivers let um, Tim Duncan's wife ride the plane. Mm-hmm. So, but let's not go down that um, rabbit hole. But um, no, quality individual. Uh, like the fact he played for us for a couple of seasons. Shame he moved on to Phoenix. Um, and I think he still has a home in uh, Central Florida uh, and has seen it a few games every year. So, And I was actually lucky enough to be, when he got inducted to the Magic Hall of Fame, uh, managed to sign my program. So, um, yeah, Grant Hill, number 10. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, both of those are, are great. And that's one of the things like just clarifying for everybody. This, these are our favorite players. You can't tell us we're wrong. All right. This is who our heart loves. All right. So I don't want to hear anyone going after Gary for gold, for Cole or Garrett for Grant. You know, these are who are, are who we love. So if if I can go to number nine, you guys, I'll, I'll move on here. Uh, another, another thing I wanted to clarify with people, my favorite list, I only included players that I watched with my own eyes. You know, so some of the guys from the 90s, like you mentioned, Horace Grant, I know he came back in the 2000s, but, you know, his his prime time with the Magic was in the 90s. So I didn't get to see that. So some of the other guys, Shaq, Penny, aren't on my list, even though I know they're great Magic players, um, with the exception of this next guy. Never saw him play um, because he he left right when I, I got to Orlando. But for me, I value longevity. I value guys that stick around for a long time, and no one has played more games in a Magic uniform than Nick Anderson. So he will always have my respect. Uh, there it is, 25. So I'm, I'm sure we'll hear that later, uh, that name called again. But for me, he's number nine um, You know, in the Magic lore for whatever. you know, He's probably higher, but you know, I never got to see him play. But for the fact that he played for 10 years for us, he, he makes my list for number nine. Love it. Love it. I still can't believe the boys didn't have Nick Anderson anywhere near theirs. They're even so, younger than I, me, I, but, you gotta remember. I'm I'm the old no, guy. Yeah, the yeah. Group, so <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand and, and I like what you've done about um having seen the players and uh, I think everybody on my list I've also seen. So yeah. Go on, Gat. Um right, my number nine. I wasn't initially all in on this player, and he also wore number nine. It's uh, Nick Vucevic. And Vooch won me over a bit late in the day with the books series. Um, and it was it was one of those where I never kind of fully bought in, where I thought he could be traded. We selected more Bamba, we'd you know, we'd done Bismarck Biombo, etc. And I just ne- I never really saw that, oh well the, the organization was in on Vooch. And then as time progressed and I saw how much Orlando meant to him. And then when it was the book series, I was like, you know what? I, I really like, <laughs> I really like Nick Vucevic. And to the point, I was like outraged when we uh, when we traded him. And then he did his um, press conference and said about his love for Orlando, and it just kind of underlined it for me. So initially, wasn't all in, but I think just over time, I got gradually uh, grew this love for Vuce. So he's my uh, number nine, for number nine. I like like it, mate. Like it. Right. So my number nine um, was from the same rookie class as Kevin's number 10. Um, so I started following the Magic in 97, and I think he was drafted 98. It's uh, from Georgia Tech, Matt Harpring. Uh, now, not a lot of people will probably know who Matt Harpring is because he only played for about two seasons. And I think one season, he had a lot of injuries. Um, but this was a kid hard-nosed, defensive um, wing. He played on the Magic team in his rookie season with Nick Penny, Horace, Ike Austin, Daryl Armstrong, uh, which made the playoffs in third place before we got bounced by Philly in the playoffs. Uh, But just loved his intensity, his game. Uh, I was pretty gutted when we traded him to Cleveland, I think, for Andrew DeClerc a couple of seasons later just for positional purposes. Uh, and I, I always kept an eye out for how he was doing at Philly, Cleveland, or, and then Utah. And of course, he's a he was a broadcaster with the Utah Jazz in recent years. So um, you know, a lot of, probably people will come at me, but like Kev said, he's my guy. So uh, yeah, Matt Harpring is number nine for me. I love that. 
Yeah, I definitely remember Matt Harper. He he definitely worked very hard, and I always appreciate appreciate that of guys. Uh, let's see, going to number eight for me. Uh, another guy that didn't play for very long in a Magic uniform, but I always love guys that show joy for the game. You know, they play with a smile on their face and they play hard. For me, it's Mikel Petrus. I loved Mikel Petrus in a Magic uniform, and even before that, when he played for the Warriors. He was on that We Believe team, if you remember 2007, when the Warriors upset the Mavericks. That was a lot of fun. But then coming to Orlando, um, just the ultimate definition of a 3 and D guy. You know, can knock down the three, played great defense, played some great defense during the playoffs against, you know, obviously the gauntlet that the Magic faced in 2009, you know, ultimately with LeBron and Kobe being the last two opponents. But yeah, but he always he always loved the game. A lot of smiles on the bench and and a lot of fun. So yeah, Mikel Petrus is, is, is my next guy. I like it. My next guy, and um, I alluded to this earlier, and it's about undersized point guards, was Jermaine Nelson in at number eight. And I said earlier on in the pod when we said about something special building, um, I remember when we had the draft where we got Dwight and Jameer, and I stayed up for the first part of it. We selected Dwight. I was happy because I kind of, there was that bit of a discussion where people wanted Emeka Ogafor, some people wanted Dwight, and I initially, I ended up settling in the Dwight camp. So I was like, right got Dwight Howard, see how the next few picks go, go to bed. And I remember getting up early and going to work the next day. And bear in mind when this was, it wasn't where you had internet on your phone and such. Went in early, logged in on a computer, had a look at how the rest of it. And I was like, hold on, we, we've got another pick here. In the, and I went down and I was like, wow, we've got Jimmy and Nelson. And I'd read a little bit about him before the draft. And I had that feeling of something big's going to happen here in Orlando. We've drafted two really good young prospects we're going to be great in a couple of years time and it's the same feeling I've got now but for Jameer it was just a you know a leader a guy again who wanted to be here a guy who I think made Dwight a lot better and I'm not going to go against Steve Francis here but I I do remember saying we've got to trade Steve Francis because Jameer Nelson will pass the ball more and I felt he was a bit ahead of his time when you look at him he was a really good shooter he, he could step back. He could he could nail a three. He was pretty clutch. I seem to remember as well. And he just played above his size. So Jermaine Nelson for me. Nice, nice. Um, my number eight, um, power forward from the, the late noughties, uh, Mr. Ryan Anderson. Um, just a cool dude. Um, again, hard-nosed player, put it all out on the line hit the three, grab an offensive rebound. Um, I haven't got his stats in front of me, but I remember being absolutely gutted when we traded him for Gustavo Ion uh, to the Pelicans. My God, Um, what a bad trade that was. Um, Pretty gutted about that and the fact he bounced around to a couple of teams like the Heat, uh, which was such a shame. Uh, I've still got one of his jerseys. I've got an authentic Ryan Anderson jersey. So yeah, number eight, Ryan Anderson. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I don't uh, I don't want to flex again. I had dinner with Ryan Anderson one time, guys. I'm just gonna say oh. it was it was really cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know it was this team event that I had the privilege of attending. Uh, I had a friend that um, was one of the corporate sponsors for the Magic and invited me, knew I was a big Magic fan, and it was, it was actually the last year that Dwight was there. So it was 11-12 season, I guess, um, which was really fun because it was right before the trade deadline, so it was really tense in the room, which is kind of awkward. But yeah, Ryan Anderson sat at my table, got to talk with him for over an hour. It was a lot of fun. He's a great guy. So 
Sorry, but but that was cool. Yeah. Um, was but cool. yes, in the the other the other number eight, uh, Jameer Nelson will make an appearance in mine in a second. But uh, my number seven is Mr. Daryl Armstrong, uh, which you know you talk about guys that play with heart and hustle, and of course that heart and hustle team. You know, Daryl Armstrong's up there, another you know kind of undersized guard, you know, and so uh, played above his size as well. Obviously, was in the dunk contest, you know, at one point, you know didn't have the best showing the duck contest, but it kind of gave an idea of, you know, his, his athleticism, but yeah, I always appreciated him. And, and even now he's had such a great career as a, as an assistant coach with the Mavericks. I was hoping he would come with Jamal Mosley and be on his staff last year, but alas, didn't happen maybe someday, but yeah, I've got Daryl Armstrong next. That's interesting because I've also got Daryl Armstrong. (laughs) (laughs) Again, undersized point guard, uh, Mr. Hart and hustle. That team that he led before we got um, Grant and T-Mac had no right to win the amount of games that it did. And it was led by Daryl Armstrong. And I remember the first time I went to Orlando to watch the Magic, there was two games. It was against San Antonio and it was against um, Cleveland. And yeah, okay, you left the arena talking about T-Mac, but you couldn't help but notice how good Daryl Armstrong was. And I remember I went with my dad to those two games and he was like, yeah, I know this Tracy McGrady guy is a good player, but he went, that Daryl Armstrong, I, I love him. And it was just the way he plays the game and the way we know that he is. So Daryl Armstrong again. Nice. I feel all really bad now. I haven't got Daryl in my top 10. <laughs> Shame, um, I know, I know, I know. Shame, ring the bell. Um, yeah, especially with that, that 98-99 team we were talking about just a second ago. Uh, the game winner he got against Philadelphia, stealing right. the ball at um, center court and laying it in. Uh, I think it was a, one of those classic Eastern Conference games. He won like 71-70 or something silly like that. <laughs> um, that was quality. Um, cool. So my number seven, um, you've touched upon it already, Nick Vucevic. Um, I don't think I need to say much more. You, you just said about the press conf- conference and him welling up. Uh, I just hope that, you know, Chicago do have a bad year this year, like you said, and that he potentially thinks about coming back in a backup role, maybe. Who knows? One I would love that. So, I would love that. So there we go. That's my number seven. Love it. Yeah, you'll see him on my list here in a second, too. Um, my number six, I know we said there's no such thing as controversies here because this, these are our hearts, but this one's going to be a little controversial, especially my friend Jonathan from the Six Man Show. He's going to flip his table when he hears this. I've got Tracy McGrady as my number six, which is his number one. He loves T-Mac as his favorite player ever. Tracy McGrady for me, number six, um, obviously a terrific player. You can't argue that. One of the best to ever put on our, our blue and white. The best score we've ever had. I don't care what anyone else says, you know, on the ball. Give him, give him the ball down the stretch. We've never had anyone that could score like him. Uh, the only reason he's not a little higher is kind of how it ended with him. You know, it, I, I'm still, I don't, I don't want to say I haven't forgiven him, but that was, it just wasn't great. It was kind of, you know, a diva move and I didn't love that. But uh, I also think, you know, he was handed a bit of a tough hand. You know, the teams that he uh, got to play with or maybe had to play with, you know, here in Orlando weren't the best. And he was forced to kind of be the guy, um, which he's very capable of, but he just didn't get a lot of support. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me, but all in all, he's got to be in my top 10. So, so I've got T-Mac there. Good one. Well, my number six is um, Nick Anderson. Yeah. And again, just to really like add a little bit, the first pick we ever made represented Orlando pre-Shack 
I think he was our best draft pick until Shaq um, dunk contest. And really, when you look at it, he was just a very, very good basketball player who left it all on the court for the Magic. Plus, he's involved in what I would say is arguably the greatest moment in the history of the franchise when he steals the ball from Michael Jordan. So for me, it's uh, Mr. Orlando, Nick Anderson in at number six. So that's for you, G. Enjoy. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> right, so my number six. Have I got him too low? I don't know. I've got Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. He probably should be maybe a little bit higher, but um, how it ended, um, it, I feel like we have forgiven him. Um, and I would probably welcome him back in, a, you know, a backup uh, position at the moment, just to teach Wendell some tricks, you know, Mo Bamba, etc. We haven't got the roster space, so that's not going to happen. But for for all he did, he put us on the map. He helped us build the arena. Let's put it that way. Um, got the the lights shone on Orlando, winning the dunk contest, uh, three times Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, multiple uh, All NBA, so you you can't fault uh, Dwight for what he did. It's just a shame that the you know the diva in him um, wanted to to bolt, um, and um, it's just a shame that happened. So Dwight Howard, number six, love it. Uh, next up, number five, going to our fives. I've got Rashard Lewis, uh, Rashard Lewis, Sweet Lou. Uh, I think is on neither of your lists, if I remember your honorable mentions correctly, which is fine. No, it's okay. I get it. For me, you know, um, the, I think the rest of my, let me see. Oh, except one. Most of the rest of mine are all from that 08, 09, and 2010 run. That was just a very special time for me. You know, I was, I was at kind of end of high school, like 16 to 18 years old. So I was like, all I had was school and the magic. That's all I did, you know? And so that was a really special time to me. But, uh, but Richard Lewis, I really especially love because he was the ultimate selfless, you know, player on that team came into the magic as a small forward and expected to play small forward. And then different things changed with the roster and Stan asked him to play power forward and he'd never done it before, but he revolutionized the game. Essentially. He was kind of the first, you know, stretch for, and now that's all we see basically today. So um, I love Richard Lewis known for his three point shooting, but he also could get to the rim from time to time. He had some really nice drives, really important drives too, over the course of his couple seasons there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's next for me, Richard Lewis. Love Sweet Lou. It's a good one. I I, I did feel bad leaving him out. <laughs> <laughs> so mine's from that team, but it's it's Dwight Howard in at number five. Um, I know G's just touched on him. And if for me, if he'd left a little bit better, he'd be higher because he's possibly, when he was with us, the best player that the Magic have had considering what he had around him, what he did. He got us to win in the finals. Still more than any other player in Orlando, but it's, I just think for how he's left, it's still tainted it a little bit. And I think it'll probably be that way until he either retires or comes back to Orlando and finishes with us, one of the two. But I just feel right now, I've still got a little bit of uh, bitterness with how it all ended because you shouldn't really be in a position where you're begging the t- begging for the team to trade the best player the team's ever had. And I remember the run-up to that, what was called the Dwight Mayor, and I was just, just trade him. Just trade him. I just He just has to go now. I'm beyond this. So when the trade happened, I just kind of went, thank God, we can start again now, even though I wasn't initially blown away with what we got back, but it turned out all right in the end. Yeah. 
Yeah, we made that well in that trade, didn't we? Um, my number five, um, I think uh, Kev's mentioned him. Uh, was it a notable? JJ Reddick. Yep. I, I just like the kid. <laughs> I like a three-point shooter. Um, and I don't know, just something about JJ. Um, always got his jerseys. I even managed to find a Duke Reddick jersey. I'm not a Duke fan or anything. Um, and I think we went to an NBA game in London when he was on the Sixers. So uh, Mikey, myself and our wives, uh, between the four of us, we had four Magic Reddick jerseys and we were all there supporting Philadelphia in our Magic Reddick jerseys. Nice. So, um, no, I just like the kid. Uh, I think he's great um, on the television at the moment, uh, puts in the likes of um, Skip Bayless and uh, Stephen A. Smith in their place. Um, so, no. Uh, kudos to him for that it's just a shame he didn't win a championship um, so yeah JJ Redick number five yeah I love JJ uh, he also you know when he came to the league you know he couldn't he couldn't defend a brick wall and then you know by the end of it he was a, a very solid defender so I, like like I mentioned earlier I loved his progression and always appreciated that about him and yes love what he does now TV podcast it's great uh, yeah so let's see number four for me Another honorable mention for you guys is Hito Turkoglu. He's on my list. And I, you know, I had such a love-hate relationship with Hito Turkoglu because if you remembered, he would have moments where you would just go, what are you doing? And then a second later, you know, he'd have this miraculous three-pointer heave, you know, that won the game or whatever. So uh, lots of ups, ups and downs with Hito, but a lot of great memories, you know, and he was just another guy that had a joy about him when he played the game. You know, I mentioned earlier with Petrus, you know, Lots of smiles and you know joking around. You know his his you know post game interviews are always fun. Not as fun as Cole's, but very fun. Um, and so I just I just loved his attitude and and he was a lot of fun. You know definitely had some moments where I think that's where, how I lost my hair was watching watching Hito play. Uh, but yeah, I love I love Hito Turklu. He's a he was an exceptional talent, really. Yeah. Uh, and his interviews with Dante and uh, George with the uh, what Hito say. Yes, that was quality. Quality. Uh, my next one um, is Penny Hardaway, and if not for injury, where what would he have been, and where would he have been? And it's not the first time we're going to hear that. I think um, in Magic history, look at Michael Jordan's opinion of Penny when he was playing, and it says it all. And I think, really, for me, the the peak Penny Hardaway was that series with Miami. Mm where they just couldn't stop him. And he was great with Shaq, but then he came into his own even more then. And then I think if the inj injuries hadn't hit, we got that little glimpse of this, would he have been a point guard? Would he have been a shooting guard? Who knows? But he would have just been, I think it would have almost been a hybrid of T-Mac and Grand Hill. Mm. But he was just he was just absolutely exceptional. And again, it's if not for injury what would he have done? And that's the only thing possibly why he's at number four and not higher, but just an absolutely um, exceptional talent worth the ticket money if you were able to pay in and see him, which, gee, we weren't. <laughs> <It'd kind> of... <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Um, so my number four is, sorry, Jonathan, and sorry, Mikey, because I'm sure Mikey would have this guy's number one. Uh, Tracy McGrady is four, and uh, you guys have touched upon it. Uh, absolute superstar, um, you know, the, the battles he had with Kobe Bryant, um, but he didn't have the supporting cast. And the way he left, 
left a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth. Whereas if if he'd hung around, you know, we had we just drafted Dwight Howard, you know, so we still had Grant Hill drafted Dwight Howard. Um, he should have just given it a chance. Instead, he packed his bags, went to Houston, and didn't win a playoff series. So, um, unfortunately, um, he falls at four, but he is a Mount Rushmore for the Magic, uh, his T-Mac. So, uh, yeah, did did love him. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next up for me, uh, you know, I mentioned I love longevity and appreciate guys that, that stuck around and, and wore the shirt for a long time. Uh, I've got I've got Nikola Vucevic. Uh, so, a guy for me, uh, obviously stuck around and not just stuck around. Some of the other guys who were here for a long time had a lot of, you know, great success. You know, Vucevic stuck around through some really, really difficult times, really challenging uh, times, you know, for the Magic, but always was a professional, always class, represented the team well, and got the all-star appearances too, which I was so happy for him. But he just, he loved this team, loved the city. Um, and as, as was mentioned earlier, that interview, him in tears, just how much he loved and appreciated this place. Oh, just wrecked my heart. I was like, yes, I love you, Vooch. Uh, so for all those reasons, just the love that he had for the team and the organization. Yeah, I, I've, I've got Vooch up, up to number three. We need more. Just um, add add to that on the Vooch, which I forgot to say earlier, we haven't met that many uh, Magic players live in person. But when I did go before COVID, um uh, when I had the ultimate seats and uh, just waiting around before the game, spoke to Nick. He uh, took a photo with us, very kind with his time, spoke to us for a couple of minutes, real true gentleman. Um, so, no, absolutely agree with everything you, you yeah. say there, Kev. He's on that list of where it's like a Mr. Orlando, where you think of like Nick and you think of Daryl Armstrong and Bo Outlaw and you just put him in that bracket as well. Yeah. So, yeah. For me, um, number three is Tracy McGrady. And again, it's already been mentioned about how he left. And again, that was, it feels like a recurring theme because I wasn't thrilled with how he left. I wasn't thrilled with how Dwight left. But for anyone who didn't live through T-Mac who's watching this, it was for me like watching Kevin Durant before there was Kevin Durant, where mm, he was yeah. at will against whoever he wanted to score against and really there was nothing you could do about it and then when you sometimes you tune into a game and he would do something you go has somebody just have you just done that in a game of basketball and like thinking about the off the backboard dunk and then I remember talking about that and then I was watching the all-star game and he bursted out about two minutes after and I was like there he's done it again he does it you know and it's and he was just, again, a guy who you would pay to see. And he was a bit unfortunate. He, he carried the team. And I, I remember being really frustrated when we um, signed Juwan Howard, when we already had Drew Gooden. And I was kind of like, that's not what we need right now. And if, I felt as though it kind of, looking back, maybe sealed the fate of where that team was going, um, just with a bad use of cap money. Not that Juwan Howard was a bad player, but you couldn't play them both, even though I think we tried. So yeah, team three. That was a season we started one and nineteen or something, wasn't it? We beat the Knicks and then we didn't win against anybody until we beat the Suns or something silly like that. I was in Orlando when we signed Joanne Howard. I remember beating the Sentinel and I was kind of like, "Why have we done that?" And it was pitched as like a good thing, and I was like, "I don't understand this one." And I just didn't think we we needed a big somebody who could have played alongside Gooden for me. But there we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, my number three um, is Penny Hardaway. Um, I had like McGrady at four, Penny at three. 
The only reason Penny's uh, higher is because of the way McGrady left. Uh, you guys have mentioned about Penny, um, what he did, absolute magician with the ball. Uh, it was a shame he went to Phoenix, but we did get Pat Garrity back. So, uh, <laughs> a small sacrifice, isn't it? Um, no, love Penny. Um, I'm actually trying to get his uh, sneaker because his uh, Air Penny Orlando version dropped yesterday, but we can't seem to find them anywhere in the UK at all. So, um, yeah, Penny, Penny number three. Yeah, they sold out really fast here too. I didn't, I didn't get them either. I, probably no. good for my bank account that I didn't get them. But um, anyway, all right, uh, let's see here. We're into the top two. Top two. My number two is what we call Mighty Mouse, Jameer Nelson. Once again, another guy who was here for a long time. I love the way he played. Um, you know, just just always gave his best. Very undersized. Very undersized. I think he was listed at six foot, and I don't even think that's right. Yeah. Um, but yet still, you know, hung with the best of them. Uh, had a lot, you mentioned earlier, a lot of clutch moments in his career. Um, I remember even before like the big playoff runs, uh, one of my last games when I still lived in Orlando was, was against the Pistons in a regular season game. And I remember like a, a baseline shot, you know, against the Pistons, which was a big deal at the time because they were great, but uh, you had to win that game. But anyway, yeah, Jameer Nelson, always loved him, always appreciated him being in Orlando for so long. I'd love for him to come back as some sort of uh, a coaching role again. He's now with the Sixers, I think with their G League uh, squad right now, doing some kind of development or something like that on the front office. But I'd love to have him come come back to Orlando in some role someday, but but we'll see. Legend. Mm. Absolutely. My number two, this might be slightly controversial where I've placed them. I've got Grant Hill at number two ahead of T-Mac. This is why I think I'll get some steam for this, but I'll explain why. Um, if you think about before we signed Grant Hill and we'd obviously lost Penny and it was kind of like, well, what is there in Orlando? <laughs> you kind of like were sat there and were a bit stagnant. And as a non-magic player, Grant Hill was my favourite non-magic player. And I can still remember like logging on the internet and seeing the image of Grant and Tim Duncan arriving after there'd been a little bit of speculation that it was going to happen. And I was like, I can't believe we're going to sign this guy because it was, I think when you look at it, he could have had the league before Kobe. It was kind of with him and it was with Penny and those were the two guys. Penny got injured. So it was like becoming Grant Hill's league. And it was like, oh, you're going to be the heir to Michael Jordan. Would would he have stopped at being Kobe's league even? Because he was, he was that good and I couldn't believe when Orlando signed him I remember uh, getting on to relatives I've got an America in order and a jersey which you could only ship to American addresses then and then they shipped it on so I got the blue jersey sent immediately and he was just the understatement of unlucky with injuries um, and then I think what G was saying earlier class act um, and you still look at what he did when he came back and he was able to play he was still a very good mid-range basketball player you know he was doing a lot of DeRozan-ish things with the, the mid-range and he didn't have quite have that explosiveness but he could still pick a pass he could still rebound he could still handle the ball very good basketball player and just a great ambassador for the Magic so Grant Hill would be my number two favourite okay right here we go number two for me um, now not I don't think a lot of people have this guy in their top ten they might do um, he's my current favourite player and uh, he is Markel Fultz. I know he hasn't played that many games, but I believe that Markel is the future. 
Um, you've seen it in short spurts. You just need the kid to have um, a bit of health, uh, a long run in the team. Um, uh, and I truly believe he is our point guard of the future. Uh, he was drafted number one for a reason. Uh, Philadelphia didn't appreciate him, didn't give him the time. Uh, and then he's had that in Orlando. Um, so I like that we've done this. Um, we, the trade, when it happened, I was over the moon because I, I don't know, I, I just like Mark L. Fultz. Um And there's a quote, isn't it, from Charles Barkley saying, you're sitting there in your grandma's um, uh, garage or something, sitting in your drawers. We're, we're cheering for Mark L. Fultz. Love it. So, um, no, everybody's pulling for Markel and um, he is my current favourite player um, and I think I've made that very clear on the podcast um, over the last two years so uh, yeah number two Markel folks love that yeah Markel is probably my second favorite player right now on the team I I just I love Franz but yeah Mark I love Markel too all right here we go number one this is the big one I think some people have maybe deduced over the course of the list who we've each got at number one, but I went, I really went back and forth with this for a lot of obvious reasons, but I thought which player brought me the most joy. And that was Dwight Howard. I know it ended badly. Trust me. I know it. It was terrible and I'm still upset about it, but I've, I've in some ways moved on and I've decided that the good outweighed the bad. And he just, he brought me the most joy. Like we, it was just, like I mentioned earlier, those couple of years were when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. And I just, this is all I did was, was the magic. It's still all I do, but that was really all I did back then, you know? And I just, I loved the team and it was all centered around him. And another great point that was mentioned, he, you know, he's the reason Amway Center exists. A lot of people, you know, forget or, or don't know that the team was on the verge of, of leaving, you know, before Dwight, like there was that the couple of years um, you know, even after Dwight left, there was talks of going to Kansas City and all these things, you know, basically when when the old Orlando Arena um lease was expiring. But Dwight came on the scene, you know, helped make the team, you know, relevant again. They built the Amway Center. Now the team's here, you know, hopefully forever, but at least for another 20 years or so with the lease on, on the building. So um, but yeah, I just I I can't say enough positive things about him knowing that there's a big asterisk, of course, of how it ended. But I'm choosing today to to rest in my joyful side, and I'm picking Dwight as my number one favorite player ever. And he should have been in the top 75 players. A hundred percent. What a travesty that was. And when you look at people saying who was better, Dwight Howard in his prime or Rudy Gobert, and you're like, are you kidding me? Have you watched Dwight play with Orlando? Absolutely. Right. Real talent. Unreal. Um, mine... It's kind of similar with reasons um, without living in Orlando. <laughs> um, so mine's Shaq. And I've said before how I became a Magic fan. So if Shaq didn't exist, would I have been an Orlando Magic fan? Because I remember then it was generally everybody was starting to talk about the NBA. Everybody was talking about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. I was like, oh, I'm going to get something NBA vest or something when I go to Orlando. And my dad is like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, Jordan, blah, blah, blah. And then went into Champ Sports in the Florida Mile, came back out and said, the guy in there said, you don't want this jersey, you want that one. And it was the black um, Shaq number 32. And then that's when you start to follow a little bit and you're picking stuff up on what was then CNN. So I, 
you know, him being that much of a big deal and Orlando at the time in the UK were a huge, huge deal like they were in the US. And he was just larger than life. And if you, if you look at, I got that vest when I was t- probably 12 years old, it was around about his rookie season. So it was either at the end of it or the beginning of it. I don't know which one it was, but larger than life character. And really, I think if you'd asked me this question when Shaq was still active in the league, he probably wouldn't have been number one because I resented the way everything happened. But when Shaq left, it was just kind of like, okay, it's over now. You can go back to like a Shaq again. Um, so also, I still think we could have kept him. I think we could have kept him in Orlando. So it kind of angers me with the front office more than anything. But Shaq for me, number one, um, absolutely unreal player. And if you're tuning in as a teenager and this guy might rip the backboard down, and he's going to put up 30-odd points, and he's just going to bully everybody on the court. What's not to like? Yeah. 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 Wow. Quality guy. Uh, it would come no surprise to anyone who my number one is. It's, um, as, as you guys have mentioned before, it's Mr. Orlando, Mr. Nick Anderson. Um, as I've mentioned before, 97, 98, first started watching the team. And my first full game I saw um, back on, we got we didn't have much um, NBA coverage, uh, Kev, but they did show one game on a Sunday on Channel Four here, and it was basically uh, Shaq's return to Orlando, uh, where Nick Anderson hit a three with seven seconds left. Uh, I think it was in Eddie Jones's face, um, and Danny Shays owned Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and I've watched that game. How many times I couldn't tell you. I, I even um, sent Gary the clip of the, you know, the pre-game and him getting booed and the PA announcers singing, you know, you're so vain and all this um, uh, on the PA system to Shaq. Um, so there's a reason Shaq's not in my um, in my top ten or in my honourables because, you know, I. I started following in 97 when Shaq was the enemy. And for me, Shaq has always been the enemy. And I feel like he sometimes talks down on Orlando. Uh, while sometimes he, he comes, he's, he's all right sometimes, but he picks and chooses. So, um, and then of course, Nick made that three. Um, he's made, as Gary's mentioned before, you've got the steal dunk contest. Um, even when Nick got traded to Sacramento for Tariq Abdul-Wahad, I kept an eye on the Sacramento Kings and the Sacramento Kings are my second favourite team, the team out West, because Nick played for the Kings um, and they're not very good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Nick Anderson, uh, friend of the pod and um, absolute number one uh, and I don't think that will ever change. So, there we go, gentlemen. That was good. Um, Gary did think it'd be funny if we did do, just to end it, who would be the, well, it definitely won't be in your top 10. So one player that will definitely not be in your top 10, just to finish off. Oh, gosh. Um, I, know, I know Gary's got his. Do you know Gary? And then yeah, Gary first. Let me think of it. Yeah, this is really easy. Serge Ibaka. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, straight up. Bad attitude. Um, considering what we gave away and just didn't want to be here. It was kind of like, Whenever I see a backer playing, I'm kind of like, I don't want things to go well for you. I never wish an injury on a player, but I just watch him and I'm like, yeah, I hope this team now loses. And uh, the only time I think I ever had any 
begrudging respect was in that Raptors run that they put together where I was like, you know, I liked Kawhi's play so much. I was kind of just trying to pretend Ibaka wasn't there. But for me, without a doubt, as soon as you see it, it's like Serge Ibaka is definitely my number one. Don't like, sorry if you're watching this, Serge, but you're not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. That's, I mean, if I had... If I that that I agree hundred percent, I can't stand him for all of those reasons. Um, this might be recency bias. Oh man, this is this is just mean. I don't know. I it wouldn't Ignas wouldn't be on my list. I'll just put it that way. Ignas Brasdakis, and not because he was a bad guy or whatever. Well, I totally agree with Serge. I'm just racking my brain. I just I've never been in love with the guy. Maybe he's a great G League player. Now he's back in Lithuania. Maybe a great Lithuanian player in their league, but. Oh man, it was a struggle watching him play. Um, but man, that surge one is a good one. Oh, I like that one a lot. Sorry, mate, if I stole your thunder. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I was toying between two. Um, the one I, I second place, Doug Christie. Uh, Ooh, a yeah. bit like what Gary said when we traded for him from the Kings. Um, if I remember rightly, he didn't turn up for a little bit. Didn't want to be here. Um, and so, yeah, I could wash my hands with Doug Christie. But number one for me is a guy called Deron Lamb. Oh, yeah. I just I just didn't like him. I just didn't like him. And the boys mentioned this on the six-man show. He wore number one. Uh, and I spoke to my friend Lewis, who used to work at the team store. And he said that, you know, his family were coming into the team store and say, why is my jersey not up and all this? And I was thinking, because you're not very good. Um, so, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. He just seemed a bit undersized. And I didn't like his game, to be perfectly honest with you. So I'd go with the wrong lamp for me. I need to I need to adjust my 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 player. I forgot about a player. You, and this is a shame on me. Go on. Mine's Glenn good. Davis. Big baby Davis. Was never a big baby Davis fan. I couldn't stand him in Boston. I didn't like that we acquired him because it was just to keep Dwight happy. Apparently they were friends or whatever. I've just never liked his game, never liked his attitude. Yeah, he will never touch my favorite top ten ever. So that's that's my that's my real answer. There we go. See, I think big baby want- Davis would have been in Mikey's top ten favorites, wouldn't he? I think he would have. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, well <laughs> as the story goes, Mikey bought a Davis jersey uh, back in 2011-12 I think it was a little bit later um, he, he said there wasn't much to pick from and um, anyway he, he he sold it a few years later but we keep winding him up about it no nope, not for me <laughs> yeah, yeah no. so there we go right so that recaps everything now um, so thanks Kev for joining us it's been a blast it'll be bad fun mate Oh, this has been a lot of fun. I'll have to come back and meet the other guys, Mikey and and Paul. I really, I really wanted to talk to Paul because I loved his story a couple of weeks ago about him getting on the plastic Celtics fan. I love calling guys out when they're frauds. So I'll have to talk with them some other time. But yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. And I'll definitely see you guys when, when you come over here in the fall. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, so thank you as always for listening and watching. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, all at Orlando Magic UK. For the latest news, visit our website, orlandomagicuk.com. So from Kevin, Gary, and myself, until next week, go Magic.